you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast is ready to eat a W. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. A lot of football to talk about today. Some good football. Some bad football. Some meh football. Uh, but Thursday night, Greg and I are in the studio, and we're talking about how great the Steelers looked and how, all right, for me anyway, I was like, I'm getting a little juiced up now about this idea that the AFC has a real uh, powerhouse potential to go up against the Pats. And then Sunday, today happens, and yeah, the Steelers are not in the picture today, but we have two other teams that we were kind of hoping would make a move mm. that are going in the wrong direction. And increasingly, and I know this is on your radar, Mark, more than ever, uh, it is really a two-team race in the AFC right now. Stop hoping. Uh, it's, it's exhausting to keep <laughs> wanting this conference to be something that it's not. It's, if it's a one-year <laughs> thing, that's fine. But it, it, No it, hoping, it, you're saying. No, this week-to-week no thing where we, we try to spin – mediocrity into something special to observe as a football fan is a disservice to football fans. It is what it is. At best, it's a two-team AFC. At best. Speaking of spinning, just wait until next week when Greg's consecutive week stretch of trying to spin the Patriots opponent no. reaches its nadir when they face <laughs> I said the, they. I th- oh, the Dolphins always play the Patriots tough. That's I, coming up next I said week. this week I thought they'd win comfortably, and it's a really – poor AFC right now. 13 teams are 4 and 6 or better. So like the entire conference is basically alive at, at 4 and 6 if you wanted to make a case. But there's only two good teams. That that's happened sometimes. But I think selling this I think it's selling the Steelers short. At some point it's like what do you want? The team's 8 and 2 and has more no, talent. I'm not, Those two I'm teams not about are two Titanic teams and you know, it's going to be a surprise if they don't face I, off. I think you're being you've been a little to me overly generous of the Steelers all year because that even on Thursday was the first time they even scored 30 points. They had been kind of a disappointment on some level, uh, uh, but now they're really rolling and scoring points. Now I'm really excited. But to Mark's point, it's going to be hard to really talk yourself into one of these other teams. We're going to get through it all. 
Uh, and maybe we'll end up being wrong because we're wrong all the time. Uh, that's, that's just the way it works. That's what it's like being a, a member of the football cognoscenti. And then if you are wrong, will you go back and, and feel bad and take back all of this anger and, and wish that, you know, you didn't need to do it? Well, you're going to ask Mark that. Because Blake Bortles was going to win the I, Super Bowl. I simply don't have a problem with my stance at the moment. If someone is yeah. overtly becomes a third team to respect, then it's my job to respect them. I will. I'll tell you what else. We're, we're dealing with some technical difficulties right now with the mics. You know, this studio, I think they spent like $10 million to, to renovate it. Take a couple zeros off that. And, and, <laughs> $10 million. Or, and, you know, it was a, a very expensive job. Put it that way. I don't know the price tag. I'm not privy to those things. We have all sorts of uh, audio issues. Mark's not happy with his box over there. And I, I got a feeling that's going to come through in today's show. And I, feel like, I feel like it already is. And I'm excited about that. A vituperative session. As long as someone else other than myself benefits, <laughs> everything is in line. We talked about the AFC. Let's start, though, at the NFC, the game uh, that was the marquee game on paper between uh, two 7-2 teams going into it, the Rams and the Vikings in Minneapolis. Let's talk. Keenum shotgun takes the snap. Big blitz by the Rams. So Keenum passes left. Caught by Thielen. 50, 40, 30. <laughs> Case Keenum just shot a dagger right through the heart of his yes. former team. Oh, put it on the list. Yes. Paul Allen, KFX, and with the call and shout out. Sorry that I don't have uh, I don't have your name right now. Somebody on Twitter gave me a heads up. Hey, check out Paul Allen's Adam Thielen touchdown call, and that was a winner. That's fire right there. We like that. Top 10 calls. It's always the first show after the Super Bowl. Who will win the coveted award this year? Guess who just punched himself a ticket into the top 10? Paulie Allen. Nicely done. He's there every year. All one year. Guys, a stud. <laughs> um, yes, Adam Thielen turned on the Jets on that 65-yard touchdown. Uh, Latavius Murray rushed for two touchdowns, 95 yards. And the Minnesota Vikings shut down the league's best offense in a 24-7 win over the Rams. Uh, Greg, the Rams entered this game averaging close to 33 points per game. They left Minneapolis, another victim of the new Purple people eaters with the umlaut over the new Ooh. spelled N-U. <laughs> Trademark it, baby. Trademark it, b- they, they are such a solid defense, and this is Mike Zimmer's te- perfect team come to life. And yet I came out of this game really more impressed with their offense on some level because they go into halftime. It's a very evenly played game. They come out of halftime and they win the yardage battle after halftime, 288 to 57. And before the game, Mike Zimmer told the Fox broadcasters, we think we're going to be able to lean on this lightweight Rams front line and it's going to pay dividends over the course of the game, and that's exactly what happened. Their offensive line was fantastic, really just mowed down the Rams' defensive line. And then when you flip to the other side, the Rams just didn't have the ball that much in the second half because they forced a couple three and outs. On both sides, when you needed to get a yard or when you needed to get two yards, the Vikings are going to get it with ease. And Todd Gurley and the Rams were not getting it at all. Their offensive line getting pushed around. And uh, you got to win the game in the trenches when you're the Minnesota Vikings. That's what they say. In this crazy 2017 in which many things are beyond our control, here's something you can, tr- you can control. Vote for Adam Thielen for the Pro Bowl, and if you are a writer oh, with an all-pro vote, 
consider him opposite Antonio Brown. This guy is deserving of an all pro. I, I think he, he might be the non quarterback MVP of the the league right now. That's that's that touchdown, by the way, and if you haven't seen it, uh you will eventually, I would think, as the week goes along. Like that is the type of touchdown that you makes a quarterback your best friend where you may do all the work and, and Case Keenum, who again, that job's not going anywhere. Case Played very well deserves today. to continue to be this team's quarterback as much as we love Teddy Bridgewater's story. Uh but he takes the ball, he takes off and does. That's the dagger play of the game. If you're Adam Thielen, you're on pace to have a better campaign than all but two of Randy Moss's seasons. Wow. And one by Jake Reed. Hmm. Who Jake Reed. Remember from I forgot about Reed. Jake right. Reed. I mean, it's, it, it, he is that legit of a receiver. And all these teams that, ha, that, that end up with their stadium hosting the Super Bowl, and you always get this thing if they get out to a quick start, oh, there's a chance Team X could show up in their own home stadium for the big game. This you don't is, like that? No, no. I mean, I oh. think the thing is that it usually flames out oh. Pretty hardcore by by around now, if not much earlier. This time around, it's completely legit. They have a chance. They have a very good chance. I mean, this is the thing. Coming out of this game, we were going to be talking about one of two things. Minnesota and their defense, or the Rams and their offense able to continue Mm. their pace. And it's the opposite. It's the Minnesota side, because their defense is a Super Bowl-worthy defense. And Thielen... He keeps drives going. There was a key, tough, close third down catch where he kept the drive going. They end up scoring. There was an overthrow kind of by Case Keenum on a play that was wide open, schemed beautifully, which Pat Shermer, their offensive coordinator, has done all year, where it wasn't Case Keenum's best throw. Thielen makes a great play to catch that to keep it going. So he's been incredible. And then you flip it to the other side. It was not like this looked like a one-sided game, certainly not for the first half. And you look at Cooper Cup's day, and it was really just two plays, but they just didn't have the ball that much. And these two plays made all the difference. He fumbled the ball on the one-yard line, a nice play by the Vikings defense to force the fumble. And he dropped what would have been about a 30-yard catch going into the red zone in the second half when they still had a chance. And those two plays was the margin for error because the Vikings defense and, and their offense was playing too well. But one thing I'll say that this, this, the win here was the table was set on Wednesday. We're going to get to a team where a team panicked and made a quarterback decision that imploded on them. But in this case, Mike Zimmer, an experienced head coach, made the right decision by not flipping the switch at quarterback when it was not deserved to be made on Wednesday. If that, if that happens down the road, maybe so. Not yet. Yeah, I agree with your theory that this will happen naturally if it's going to happen. You don't need to force a quarterback change right now. There will be a time to do it. And one more thing on Adam Thielen. You talk about what number one receivers do, and you mentioned he moves the chains. He also beats double coverage, makes plays down the field, makes plays in the red zone, and he's the only receiver in the NFL with at least five catches in every game this year. Mm. Let's keep an eye also on the Rams now, who've had obviously still a very good season at 7-3. and three. They are the team of ATL for a reason. We believe in them, uh, but now they get the, the Saints at home at Arizona, home against Eagles at Seattle. They got to put up some wins still here to keep this, uh, the train going. I hope we didn't. I hope we didn't jinx them because we mentioned how they've had great injury luck on Thursday's show, Uh-oh. and they had two cornerbacks go out us. in this game. And after that happened, including that Thielen play, it was on one of the replacements for their two cornerbacks that went out. And you know, hopefully they get him back. News alert: We don't hold that power, but I don't think Seahawks nice fans are feeling sorry for them right now. No, probably not. Let's move on to another big NFC matchup. Will Lutz taps his right foot. Morstead puts it down. Lutz has it on its way, and the Saints win. Will Lutz buries the field goal. An epic 
epic collapse by the Redskins and an epic comeback by the Saints results in their eighth straight victory. Jim Henderson, WWL, with the call. The Saints wiped out a 15-point deficit in the final six minutes of the fourth quarter, then ended the game with a chip shot field goal in overtime to top the Redskins 34-31 at the Superdome. Chris Wessling, that's, uh, as we heard from Jimmy Henderson, eight straight wins for the Saints, who are in control of the NFC South. Uh, how did the change, uh, how did the game change its trajectory so quickly? It didn't happen until the last three minutes. Drew Brees hit on 11 straight completions to close out regulation, including two touchdowns. And uh, Alvin Kamara had a juggling touchdown and a two-point conversion in there. Um, and really, Kirk Cousins really missed Chris Thompson when he went out, especially on the last drive in regulation. That's his sidecar in the shotgun. And you're playing instead with a rookie like Samaje Pirine, who dropped the ball in overtime. Mm. Uh, it's a shame that people are going to watch this game after they turned on um, whatever other games they were watching in the early time slot, and they're going to see Kirk Cousins come up short in that final drive. He had, I think, maybe my favorite quarterback game of the season for 59 minutes. Wow. He stood tough in the pocket, took hit after hit, made the turkey hole throws down the sideline. Turkey hole! Took a helmet-to-helmet shot. Jay Gruden then pulled off a, a fake punt on fourth and one deep in his own territory. Cousins led them down the field got clobbered by a blitz and hit Ryan Grant for a 40-yard touchdown at one point when they took a big lead. And they just showed a toughness for 59 minutes. It's a shame that they crumbled down the stretch uh, with injuries. And I think they just got tired. But this was the inverse of that Seattle game that the Redskins had where Cousins made those two big throws after a whole game of not being able to move the offense. In this game, he came up short at the end after having just a phenomenal game for 59 minutes. Devastating loss for the Redskins, who fall to four and six, and in a hyper-competitive NFC, uh, we might have to be, you know, taking out the forks at the very, at the very least. Oh, they're done. They're going to come up over Danish. In the coffee. NFC, if they were in the AFC, I'd give them a pretty decent chance. Right. Oh, they're, they're not. Love them in but the AFC, not. but they yeah. are not in the AFC. They're in the NFC. So the Redskins, and then you have to sit and chew on this one, Mark, because. This game is there, and just think, if they close out this game, like they will, well, according to the win probability tweets that I saw, 99.7% chance they were going to win this game with six minutes to play, and, they, and they're at 5-5 five and five and coming off a huge road win, but everything blew up, and the Redskins are going to stick with them for a while. Well, and credit to the Saints, because they now are rolling with extreme confidence that whatever situation they are in, and they've done it enough times this year to believe it, that they can win no matter what, what they're facing. And it, today what impresses me is you look up the 550-plus yards for the Saints, much of it through the air, where we were just talking about how dominant they've been on the ground and the Drew Brees is sort of fading into the background in a very appropriate and friendly way if you're a Saints fan. But then today, obviously made some huge throws down the stretch. Yeah, he was big down the stretch. And you have to credit Mark Ingram, who is running as well as anyone in the NFL right now, I would love to see a side-by-side comparison of Mark Ingram and DeMarco Murray entering a hole with one defender to beat. Ingram makes that guy miss every time, and Murray never makes that guy miss. It's wild. Kamara is averaging, to combine with Ingram, 113 yards from scrimmage in the six games since Adrian Peterson was traded with five touchdowns. And Ingram's playing, as you said, maybe as well as any running back in the league, that Peterson trade, just getting rid of him was like the, tra- the trade of the year. Um, yeah, 
Ingram's averaging 113 yards, or no, Kamara's averaging 113 since then. Ingram's are averaging over 120 since then. Let's move up. Manning takes the snap. They bring pressure. He's going to lob one down the left sideline, and the pass is caught at the three by Lewis. Now, was he contacted down? There's a flag on the play. Pass interference or touchdown, one or the other. Look at this catch. He was interfered oh, with. What a catch. Bob Papa there with the call. He was interfered with. Roger Lewis made the catch, was not in, not a touchdown, but put the Giants at the goal line, chip shot field goal, and that was all she wrote. The New York Giants, a 12-9 win over the Kansas City Chiefs at the Meadowlands. Uh, and, man, you know, this is what I'm talking about at the top of the show. The, the Chiefs, 5-0. and Once upon a time, the Chiefs were 5-0. and Kareem Hunt was an MVP candidate in addition to a rookie of the year lock. Uh, they, they put 450 yards of the Patriots in week one, had the tiebreaker there, and, and you were thinking, that, you know, the road to the Super Bowl might go through KC. Six weeks later, they've lost four or five, and this game really, obviously, when you only score nine points, tells you something. But the Giants had given up 82 points in their previous two games. There was a mutiny afoot. Their defense <laughs> had been a total total disaster and disappointment this season. So for the, the Chiefs' inability in this game, um, Greg, to score a touchdown through four quarters, through overtime, uh, they did not score very well in their game coming at, going into the bye. They, they have scored no touchdowns, and I think we're getting in 15 or 16 possessions now for the Chiefs. And this is a totally different look than the team that was shocking the world in September. That Steelers loss set them back. They haven't been the same offense since then. They had a pretty good night against Oakland, which they ended up losing offensively. weren't great against Denver. weren't great against Dallas. weren't great against the Giants. They were counting on you know fifty yard plays, seventy yard plays. They were on a historic play pace of big plays week after week. Suddenly, when you can't scheme up big plays, and I think Andy Reid came into this season with a lot of great ideas, and maybe it's his offensive coordinator. Uh, Matt Nagy was getting a lot of, of pub as a possible head coach. They came up with so many exciting ideas. Teams all, all around the league were stealing them. But five weeks into the season, I think defenses started catching up and figuring out how to defend those plays. And now the Chiefs are just kind of another team. And seven touchdowns in the last five games. So that's what we're talking about. And it, they're increasingly the offense is looking like that annoying Alex Smith Chiefs offense that has, <laughs> you know, kind of gotten on everyone's radar in past years and what led to talk in the summer about when does Patrick Mahomes get played. And I don't know if that's something that's going to happen this year. But now the doors open a little bit if this continues because – and we'll get to the Raiders. The Raiders didn't do their job today. So the, the Chiefs are still okay in the AFC West. But you have to wonder what's going to happen. I mean, the other thing, Andy Reid, Wes, you know this stat. Everybody knows this stat. Famously great coming out of his bye, 16-2. and two. So to come out of the bye against one of the worst teams in the league and still be A broken, stunner. something is wrong. And can Nagy and Reid figure it out before it's too late? That's the question. I take back everything I said on Thursday when I said the Chiefs were still one of the absolute titans of the AFC and a, and a true contender. <laughs> and, you know, all these years we didn't give them enough credit, and now they deserve the benefit of the doubt. They burned you. They burned me against <laughs> against the dog giants, the lane dog giants. They burned me against that team. The last time we saw a team fall to the giants. How dare like you, this. Chiefs? Do you know what Wes has been through this year? 
The last time we saw a team fall like this to the Giants, the Broncos haven't won a game since then. If you lose to the Giants, you're dead to me. I will play the Greg role for a minute, though, and let you know that if you're Kansas City... What's that? Just dash? Well, no, just... Handsome? No, no, no. Yes. Dashing, handsome, swift. Uh, I would say this. You have the Bills, Jets, Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins, and Broncos left on your schedule. It's th- This is one of the most disappointing swoons because suddenly we had the Chiefs team. We thought that they had finally shed their snake skin and become something else. Mm-hmm. And there, we're right back where we started with this whole thing. But record-wise, in terms of their schedule, if they can't get into a top They should be able to seed, win enough of those games. Yeah, to- you ha- Otherwise, the they AFC is truly but a lost no ship. there's no gimmies. When you lose a game like yeah. this, you wonder uh, like how messed up they are right now. And I, you know, and I will say because there there could be some some Chiefs uh, fans that come after me on Twitter and like, oh well, you're not talking about the conditions at the Meadowlands. It was very windy, and that is not conducive to throwing the ball downfield. But that doesn't mean that you can completely wipe out the effort and say, oh, it was just because of the win. And that doesn't mean that the Chiefs, in a a sense of desperation, at 6-6 with seven minutes to play in the game, uh, again, on a a windswept day at the Meadowlands, have Travis Kelsey throwing a 40-yard bomb downfield (laughs) that gets intercepted when if you just played smart and maybe matriculated down the field, you could kick a field goal and go home. But instead, this is the story of the Chiefs right now. Everything that was working, all the quick strikes, all the all the cutesy stuff, that's all out the window now, and they're a boring team and a boring offense. Yeah, because can also conditions treat two teams equally. It was blustery when the Giants run offense as well. And Roger Lewis, you know, still made that catch. I mean, that catch was unbelievable. It kind of reminded me of last week. Sterling Shepard made a one-handed catch, and like both of those catches. This is a little off topic. Both those catches, if they happened in the 1980s, that would have been like the best catch of the 1980s. Like the most athletic. <laughs> what are you feet. talking about? That is how good. That's outrageous. Have you ever seen you Jerry, have no Jerry idea Rice what you're play? talking about. Jerry just, Rice, my friend. I'm just Nobody saying, made any tough week, catches. Jerry Rice is that, that, is maybe, bombs. that is maybe the most useless quote you've ever had on this podcast. I'm saying, watch this Sterling <laughs> Shepard catch. Watch this Lewis thing. People weren't making athletic. It wasn't athletic, the 20s, Greg. The, what my point is, we're taking for granted these athletic, one-handed diving catches. It wasn't happening. I would say this. Sit, go. Go back in a time machine to the 80s when you were three years old and watch any 10-minute ticker game with Jerry Rice and Montana's Niners. They were doing this every week, stuff 10 times you guys are more sensational. You're missing. This, you shouldn't get so upset, Wes. And, Mark, you're off there with the three-year-old comment. Greg was born at 32. He doesn't know what the 80s <laughs> yeah, were. It's fair. Wes Chandler made those plays on a weekly basis. <laughs> Wes Chandler ref in a big spot. Could you make any better a reference? Let's move on and another disappointing AFC team. Brady de la escopeta, tiene el balón, va a tirar, largo sobre la banda derecha, el pase completo, y se les va, touchdown, Bradley Cooks, touchdown, New England Patriots. Armando Quintero Fox. Like it. Estadio Azteca. Come to Azteca. Yes. Yes, the throne of ease does travel south. The Patriots are in cruise control. I said the throne of ease travels down south, Lindsay. MVP favorite Tom Brady threw three touchdown passes, including that 15, uh, including that deep ball uh, to Brandon Cooks, and the Patriots coasted to a 33-8 win over the Raiders. Greg, gone are the days when there was legitimate worry about the, upon the throne of ease. The Pats look like themselves, which means they're basically unstoppable right now. It's the best offense in the league. It's 
obviously, in my mind, the best quarterback in the league. He now has 50, inter- 50 touchdowns and four interceptions since the start of last Whoa. season. I mean, those, that, those are just preposterous numbers. And a couple of the touchdowns today where he's going to his second or third read, where he's scanning all across the field, where he's, go- he's starting left, and then at the last second he goes to his right. It's just crazy how he can see the entire defense and knows what's going to happen before it happens. And him having a big day against the Raiders, who might be the worst defense in the league, was about as predictable as the NFL gets. Can we put to bed the most tired storyline in this entire season, (laughs) which is every game, including today, Mm -hmm. the announcer talking about the yardage spilled against New England's defense. They haven't allowed 17-plus points since week four. It is an exhausting narrative. Their defense is back on track. Enough concern over that. It's absolutely on track, and holding the Raiders down like this uh, is a great sign. I mean, and they don't have, like, I don't know what we're going to learn about the Patriots. It doesn't mean every game is going to be this easy, but other than the Week 15 game at Pittsburgh, they don't, they've had, they've got a lot of luck in terms of the schedule lately. Are they going to go 14 and 2? Oh my God! It's a move. They're going to use it. You thought I was kidding, Dan, when uh, you were talking about gradual decline, and I said he was just hitting his prime. Yeah, he he was just hitting. No, his he's prime. better. He's better you, now. You hear quarterbacks talk about if only I could keep my physical skills when mentally I was on top of my game. That's exactly what he's done. He's kept all of his physical skills. He did it five years ago, but since then he's recaptured them to his hardworking credit and mentally. Yeah, something else going on. Well, hold on. So, what does it Stop. say about our society that all anyone does is make fun of Tom Brady for his regime, his diet, X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank? He, it's it's a he's a laughing stock on some level because of it. Because, People I mean, point fun of it, but then he's actually doing it on you, the field. Well, the answer to the question is it's not just everyone. You have to respect that what he's been able to do with his own body, but he's trying to turn himself into an empire. And then some people will point out, people dismiss, people let, dismiss let his finish, diet Mark. entirely. He, no, people that go after Tom Brady go after him more, I think, because he's trying to sell people on a lifestyle that's probably not attainable for the average Joe. What he can do and the, the, what he has access to, and then some of the claims that his trainer makes about different like what water intake, some of that stuff smells like maybe a bit of a scam. I, I agree with some of it, but so I'll that, say this. I don't things. know if a scam, I wouldn't use the word scam, but I would say this. There are at least 31 other NFL quarterbacks with the means to give it a shot. Yeah, and I think a lot of them, I mean, I think that's all across sports. I mean, LeBron James is basically the Tom Brady of NBA at this point. And I think, you know, that's part of sports science, and that's amazing. And the fact that the biggest addition, not only with the nutrition, is that he has Bill Belichick on his side. I mean, he's got Bill Belichick, who's now undefeated against Jack Del Rio going up against Ken Norton. He's got Josh McDaniels. He's got a system that he's been in. I mean, there's a, a million different things going right. And then I'm a Raiders fan. I'm watching that game. And I think like, this is not a well-coached team. No team struggles to get the snap off more than the Raiders week after week. It's like they either take delays of games or they have to call timeouts or they're struggling to get snaps off or there's miscommunications in the backfield. It's not a well-coached team. This might, I think they are now the leader for me and the biggest disappointment of the season uh, that the the rate they weren't even competitive in a very important game for them today, and they've just been a bad team basically since week three, and zero identity. They were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender this year. In my mind, they haven't been in the wild card race for a few few weeks, and it's because of what you said. They're not a good team, so I don't care mm. what their record is. You can watch them play, and 
They've got one of the worst secondaries we've seen. Yeah. And instead of the offense making up for that, the offense has gotten much worse. So I, I just watch them play, and I don't worry about them in the wild card. And by the way, get ready for a month full of us propping up this Week 15 Steelers-Patriots game. New England wins by 20. <laughs> the the Raiders the Raiders got the running game going today, but the receivers have, have killed them week after week. Before we move on, I do want to give a little shout-out to our listeners in Mexico oh, who yeah. showed up strong at Estadio Azteca. The atmosphere there was incredible and the energy. I wish they had gotten a better game. When the when the two teams came out and they showed some footage of this for the pregame introductions, this long, crazy walk down because the locker room is so far and it's <laughs> elevated that the crowd was going wild. I mean, it was during the <laughs> pregame too. It was like an unbelievable performance, mostly by Raiders fans, but a lot of Patriots fans. How was, how was Tony Romo in a vast blowout? That they were your, fun. Yeah. Him and him and Nance were. Everybody fun. was bored. If they, you were watching the game, if you were calling the game, if you're a Patriots, that's two fan, vastly say, different critiques. Right? Romo was good though. I mean, they, they did was the best. His fist at his desk. Uh, Loose Cannon was sending out a bunch of tweets. Uh, Dan is for, now more disappointed when the Patriots lose than when I mean when the Patriots win than when the Jets lose. I mean, you, how many yeah. Loose Cannon uh, gifts of a, of a, what's her name <laughs> drinking a gigantic <laughs> she, glass of wine? I like that. That's like a her own meme now. Oh yeah, um, she she her. yeah. Know what I want? No, you know what I want, Craig. If the Patriots are going to be involved with. High-profile games. Give me something that's fun to watch because hey, great nothing is not fun to watch. I mean, greatness should be fun on some level. Tom Brady's only going to be Watching around Michael for another Jordan dozen years or so, face. so you right. better learn to appreciate him now. <laughs> they also announced uh, they're staying there. Till, uh, they're coming back till 2021. Great. Every, every year, a game in nice. Mexico. Um, last word from Rob Gronkowski. It was just a fiesta all over the field, man. <laughs> Let's move on. He worked on that. For Shotgun me. snap. Peterman fades back and he slings he it to the far left. Intercepted. Picked off by Trevor Williams. He races up the 40, the 45, and gets knocked down there. That's five interceptions for Nathan Peterman, and the Chargers have their defense to the end zone. Anybody know that voice? That is Matt Money Smith, the voice raised by this podcast from a seed. <laughs> Uh, yes, the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith, Nate Peterman threw five interceptions in the first half of his first ever career start. Oh, my goodness. My own, a career beginning apocalypse that prompted an awkward Tyrod Taylor relief appearance as the Chargers laughed their way to a 54 to 24 win uh, over the Bills at the stub. Mark, the Chargers are a pretty damn good uh, five and six. Are they four and six? Four and six. Four and six. The Bills, meanwhile, embarrassed themselves up and down the food chain over the last five days, culminating with <laughs> Sunday's meltdown. A lot of finger pointing to go around in Western New York after this one. It starts with Peterman, if you want to talk about on the field. The first pick bounced off the hands of his fullback, and I went back and I, I missed that. And went, I want to make sure it's his fault. That wasn't. The next four were. They were awful throws, and this guy, what are you asking a rookie to do to come in cold like this? He's not seeing the field. And you're dealing with Joey Bosa all over you. I mean, the first three interceptions had Joey Bosa's fingerprints all over them, even though they weren't officially sacks. He's in the po- there was no pocket for Peterman to throw from. That said, the real finger pointing is a team that totally panicked. It's the reverse of what we talked about with Minnesota. You, for some reason, were no one's calling Tyrod Taylor a top five talent, but you flip the switch. You put in Peterman. 
with the season still, we still have a winning record. You're five and four. Everything now, you have a lot of explaining to do if you're Sean McDermott, a coach of the year candidate weeks ago, to your locker room. You have to explain to them why this looked like a good decision to you. And the fallout, I think, could be pretty fierce. Uh, speaking of Sean McDermott, he was asked about the meltdown by his rookie quarterback. Here's what he had to say. Well, it wasn't what uh, he had hoped for or, or we had hoped for. Um, you know, you, at the same time, I, you know when you, when you put a young player out there, a young quarterback, that there's going to be some ups and downs, and this is part of it. You know, it's, a lot, it's very easy, Wes, to be an armchair uh, coach or whatever and be like, well, it didn't make sense uh, to put this fifth-round rookie on the road against a fearsome pass rush like the Chargers. But in this case, that was exactly the truth, and everybody else could see it. How did the Bills not see that this – Nobody thought it could go this bad, but they left themselves wide open and hurt the kid in the process. Well, you know that coaching staffs are taking a ton of time and watching all the film, and these are informed decisions. And it's understandable that you had reached the conclusion that Tyrod Taylor is not your franchise quarterback. Totally understandable. What's not understandable to me is that you would prime your rookie quarterback and put him into this first career game on the road against the best pass-rushing tandem in the NFL. To me, that was... I, I think it's okay to say, okay, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor's not the answer, but the timing of, of the move was head scratch. Well, right, and this isn't Deshaun Watson. It's a fifth-round pick. I mean, th- there's a reason why Tyrod Taylor is making $16 million, why Andy Dalton's making that much, why Brock Osweiler got overpaid, because average starting quarterbacks is worth a lot because the difference between average, which is Tyrod Taylor, and just kind of like, a rookie starting his first game or a replacement level is a massive difference. Well, I think that's why you see teams, when they give up on a season, it usually happens in mid-December, not mid-November, especially when they're <laughs> by record still in the race. Well, now, quarterback is not the only problem with this team right not now. Not at all. Well, they're very much in the race. I mean, they're, ti- I mean, they're not in the race. They're tied for In the, the same way run. the Raiders are in the race. They might they're bring a bad ba- team. I would think they'd bring back Tyrod next week. He would not answer that question after the game. I don't uh, know how you don't. You, to, got the, you have the Chiefs clear. next week, by the week, on the road in Kansas City. You're going to do the same thing again? He wouldn't, he wouldn't answer. He, he said he would consider Peterman, but he had to watch. It's a tricky spot. Well, you've put yourself in this position, but Nathan Peterman, if you like him, you want to give him another chance to, to wash the, the taste out of his mouth of this game. But at the same time, yeah, you are 5-5 five and five still and still in the playoff mix. I mean, they, they shot themselves on the foot. And again, if you're a Bills fan, it's got to be so frustrating because three weeks ago, everything was great. And, and now you're kind of a laughingstock and this is a humiliating uh, performance. The, the Chargers had about 300 yards with 12 minutes left in the third quarter. So this Bills defense, which is Sean McDermott's defense and got a lot of love, has collapsed as much as the offense, if not more. They weren't going to win this game no matter what because of the quarterback, but the defense is not playing to a level that they're going to go anywhere, win any games anyway. Right, because you can talk early that the short field killed the, the Bills over and over on defense, but it, it's the it's the ground game the weeks two weeks previous to this that let them down. It happened through the air today. I think Rivers played one of his best games. Had a lot to do with Buffalo's defense, though. The Bills' defense has allowed more points in the last two weeks than the Jaguars have allowed in the last eight weeks. <laughs> Chargers not dead yet. There you go. They're the one four and six team where you're like, well, they should probably. I know, be but we can say that about all these AFC teams from now until the, the end. Chargers of the Chargers. Chargers are actually a, a pretty decent. The Chargers yeah. and the Ravens are the ones, the two ones we right. said on this podcast last week. We're like, well, those teams actually are okay. Right. They can they're beat okay. bad teams. Here's the problem. And you guys are right. I agree with you. But they're the Chargers. 
And what they're going to do is blow another couple games. That's going to kill them because they do it. That's what the Chargers do. I hope not because at least they can be frisky when they get hot like they did today. But, yeah, the Bills, uh, to Wes's point, uh, have given up 135 points in the last three games. That's a team record. And in heartless Roto World headline news, <laughs> Peterman wets bed in first start with five INTs. That's pretty rough. That's tough. Are they wrong? They're not wrong at all. Steph. It's still you won't rough. find that headline on NFL.com. That would not <laughs> no. be allowed out of the gate. I mean, there is a picture, I believe. Is Mike Daniels number 76 for the Packers? Who, yes. Whoever whoever 76, there, there's a picture of him circulating around. He literally uh, wet his pants today on the field. Some, some I'm players surprised that do doesn't that. happen more in the NFL. I think it does, but they were wearing those like beige sort of uh, Packers colors So he's today. a 10 on the P scale? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old boy, so I'm so used to men wetting themselves now. It's not even a big deal. <laughs> men, uh, final combined age five. <laughs> final final note uh, by, uh, for me on this game: Kelvin Benjamin. You think he misses the Panthers? Zero and three since he got traded there, and he jacked up his knee on his first and only catch of the day. What a nightmare it's been for that guy. Let's move on. Humley takes the snap and rolls to his left. Now to his right, sets up and wobbles one to the right, and it's intercepted again. Eric Weddle intercepted it. That's two possessions and two interceptions for Brett Hundley. Mm, Jerry Sandusky, WBAL, with the call, the Ravens D. Yep, they're the real deal. Baltimore forced five Packers turnovers, a 23-0 uh, win. I, I stumbled over that because sometimes I think real broadcasters don't like to say nothing. Really? And I just said I was trying to be a pro there, and I said zero, and that didn't feel right. That didn't feel right at all. I think you can say nothing. I think nothing's cool. 23 nothing. How about Win. Zots? Bupkis. Zots. Win over the Packers at Lambeau Field. We now welcome in Nick Shook, who is looking refreshed after a podcast bye in week 10. Although we know he wasn't resting. He's getting his pump on. Shook, like I said. Hey, Shook, how are you? Man? Um, I'm fantastic. I'm playing a little hurt today. But Look I'm at right. you. You're a warrior. Yeah. Um, and we, we are not going to hold it against you that you're wearing a Rich Eisen podcast well, you know, uh, long sleeve t-shirt right now. <laughs> this was a uh, freebie, and I have yet to receive a freebie from the Around the NFL podcast. Yeah. That's a fair retort. Fair <laughs> retort. Anyway, five turnovers for the Ravens. That is their third shutout of the season, and they suddenly have the look of a team that could, could be and eh, maybe should be playing in January, especially again in this conference. You want to put a lot of this on Brett Hundley, and you can because he's not a good quarterback, but Baltimore's defense brought so much pressure in this game that he was he was fighting an uphill battle almost from the word go. Um, you know, Every time it seemed he dropped back, either he was getting rushed from the middle, he was getting rushed from around the edge. Terrell Suggs had a great day. Matt Judon had a great day. Mm. They forced a lot of turnovers. Uh, Hundley had three himself, two interceptions, and one strip sack for a fumble. Mm. And... The Packers couldn't get going. For a lot of this game, it was, hey, one team gets in the red zone, turns the ball over. The other team gets in the red zone, turns the ball over. Goes back and forth, back and forth. But eventually, Baltimore was able to capitalize enough to uh, pitch the shutout and come away with a three-score win. Wes, do you think this is – you, when Hunley entered the lineup, you said the Packers, no reason to panic. They've been building this guy up. This has to be seen – for that organization is a failure that, that Brett Hundley's come in mm. and kind of shipwrecked their season. It doesn't seem like they have a chance with him right now. Yeah, I think the day that Aaron Rodgers got hurt, I came on this podcast and said, you'll see that the talent on the Packers' offense isn't that good. They're just not that good. The offensive line's been banged up all year. They don't have speedy wide receivers. Uh, but that 
that said, I have no problem going with the guy you've been developing for three years and that other teams wanted to trade for on draft weekend. But undeniably, the results have been catastrophic for them. Catastrophic for them. It's just been bad results. They've been Brett Hudley's been awful. This is the Ravens' recipe because they weren't any better on offense. They had 219 yards. Yep. I mean, you don't see teams win games very often with 219 with that low of a yardage figure. Much less win a game 23 to nothing. I saw an interesting tweet that listed the Ravens' last six games, and then it was uh, complimented with the comment of, oh, defense good enough to win all six, offense bad enough to lose all six. Well, they to- <laughs> they've told us who they are this year. We know who the Ravens are. They absolutely pulverize mm. bad quarterbacks and bad offenses, and they lose to good teams. I mean, it's another shutout for them. So it may, it, this is the team, I think, in the AFC that's going to not sneak in because there's no one sneaking into the playoffs. You're going you're gonna to get dropped in backwards out of like an open plane door <laughs> into the back into the AFC you know, playoff situation. But do you trust them, Shook, to do anything more than to go in and lose a playoff game? No. They, 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 their last year is Miami Dolphins, except they mm. have a better defense because I don't expect them to get out of the wild card round if they do make it. But, but they do have- and, I'm not, and I'm not ticketing them. I've been saying they're my pick for the 6-2, but I mean, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're, they're bad enough to lose any game, too. The thing that they have is a nice-looking schedule overall where you can see them getting to nine wins, and I kind of think that'll be enough. Defense travels, and if, yep. if they go on the road in a playoff game— I- if they who would they face like the Chiefs or something? Is it that right. crazy that they right. could win a game? It's not crazy. Jaguars. Who knows? Crazy. I'm not. Titans. It doesn't get me pumped up. Like I'm not like jumping up and down with excitement at the idea of the Ravens and Jags, for instance, uh, uh, going into the playoffs as wild card teams. But I could get behind that oh. game. <laughs> be kind of fun in a all right. Maybe way. it would be in kind of like Jags are fun. I protest think defensive fun. struggle type way. But yeah, just to see who could set the turnover record at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe there is something to that. Anything else from this game, Shook, that jumped out to you? Uh, I lo- Oh, wait a second. Hold up. Ooh, oh, that's right. I, I locked it up. I was, What's going on with your tank? I was uh, – <laughs> I'm struggling. But the Jets. There are uh, – yeah, I'm the Jets right now. There are stronger forces than me, and it was the football gods punishing the NFL and NBC for putting Brett Hundley in, ha- in uh, primetime. They said, you know what? You put Brett Hundley in primetime, we're going to have him score zero points the week before yeah, while Rams Saints is stuck at 425. <laughs> that checks break. out. That checks out. I had two quick points. Yeah. I love Alex Collins. If I had to pick a running back from a team that's not the one I follow closest – who I really wanted to wish, who I, who I wish would be on my team, be Alex mm. Collins. I love the way he runs. He runs hard. Good day today, though. Two point five yards per no, carry, long no. of nine. That's the thing. But when he does run the ball, I just like the way he looks. Mm, Not yeah. necessarily that he's putting up numbers wise. And Mike Wallace had a big play, a one handed catch for a touchdown. That was an, that was, I think, the catch of the day potentially. It was, it was beautiful. Good thing he didn't play in the eighties. He never would have been able. No, to that was different. They would have made it. What I was saying was a pure show of tr- athleticism, like a no, diving one. Poor Lawrence Taylor. Who was who was he to be an athlete in the 80s this has the ring of a back in my day we walked uphill both ways <laughs> to, to greg in the 80s everyone was just like smoking cigarettes and you know basically i don't think i'm exactly out, out on jobs. a limb saying that the athleticism uh, well, that's not what you said well you're comparing yeah, it yeah. to like the nba in the 50s where george Mikan was just <laughs> or, even, done, or the nba in the 80s i mean uh no. Oh, here we oh, go. Oh, come on. Okay. You're not backing down. Pass. Huh? Oh, no. Next topic. This I think a lot of people would agree with me. Just not this. Shook, uh, just, a lot of just to catch you up, uh, Greg said there was not really any athletic plays. That is made. not true. What Nobody I, made good catches. What I said was, and of course I was exaggerating. I didn't mean it's like definitely the best play ever. But what I'm saying is like the one-handed catch from Shepard last week or the catch from Roger Lewis last week, like those would have maybe been – 
the best, most athletic catches of the entire decade. <laughs> so why are we back decade. into this world? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's how good it was. Greg, right never, Greg, Greg never saw the montage that they play at the beginning or end of each NFL game in the 80s where they play. I'm just saying we take catches. these insane catches weekly for granted. Now it's just like, uh, they also of course, play, play of course they did. Then, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was like uh, caveman times. All right, now let's move on to the next game. Let's. Uh, we got Sessler and Shook together. That's good because we're going to talk about the Browns. Kaiser drops the throw. He is going to be hit again. That ball's out again. Ngakwe hitting that time. Dante Fowler tries to fall on it. The ball is in the end zone. Jacksonville has fallen on it for a touchdown. They're not going to take that one away. Telvin Smith in the end zone for the score, and that'll finish it off. Frank Frangie, WJXL, with the call. Uh, Blake Bortles threw a touchdown pass. Telvin Smith recovered that fumble. For a touchdown with just over a minute to play. And the Jaguars beat the Browns, help, keeping the Browns winless. A 19-7 victory. Um, the win combined with the Titans' loss on Thursday puts the Jaguars in sole possession of first place in the AFC South. Uh, Mark Sessler, we'll start with you here. Uh, do you expect the Jaguars to stay there? Yes, I do. I think they have much more identity than any other team in that division right now. And today's game, which was a sneaky good defensive performance by the Browns, and they've done that before this season, this is how you could look at a Jaguars team and say they can win a playoff game because Blake Bortles totally shut down for large portions of this game. Leonard Fournette got going later on, but essentially Jacksonville did very little on offense, but their defense, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, the rest of this crew, Telvin Smith making plays all over the place, they can do this to one of the big boys. I really do believe that in, in the, in the, on the right they Sunday, have. they have, and they could do it to Pittsburgh, and they could do it to New England potentially for parts of a game. I don't know how you hold down New England's offense. You're playing the Browns today, but they couldn't have played a more perfect game on defense, and it's not the first time they've done that. What's wild about the, you know what we talked about earlier is can, can Baltimore go into a wildcard game and, and, and win a playoff game? This is a Jacksonville team that I could see in a snowy setting, much like the last time they were in the playoffs with David Garrard, a quarterback. Oh, yeah. Instead, rely on their defense and their ground game. and don't have to rely on Blake Bortles to win a game because when they needed him to throw the ball today, it didn't work again. And right. It hasn't really worked all year. But luckily, you know the Browns made enough mistakes, and they forced enough mistakes with their defense to then come away with a two-score win. Right. In a you, game that was way closer than it looked. You can look at it two ways. One, they're winning games where Blake Bortles throws two picks in the final two minutes when they're trailing, like last week, or this week where they have the Browns under 100 yards very late in the game, and it was still a game. Or you could look at it like that's a regular season thing. That's not going to work. Like, yeah, like you need to put a team like the Browns away much earlier when you've absolutely shut them down. All I would say is that of all these outer AFC teams – I think that Jacksonville is the one that I'd be most excited to yes, see in the playoffs. I agree. I'm and they you. have they their defense is so legitimate, it is so powerful that I think they can disrupt. They can disrupt in January. The uh, go ahead, Chuck. They feel so boomer bust for me though, just because of the fact that they rely so much on their defense and don't. The team overall, have they have right. to, yeah, in, they in have the to avoid like falling behind or else they're done. Bortles yeah. Um, five turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I just can't shake that feeling. We that's, can't that's argue with you. Say. Uh, so the Browns had five turnovers and are now two and thirty-five in their past thirty-seven games. That is amazing. Shook my question. Hard to do. How? How did we get here? Uh, a massive teardown of a roster that already didn't have a lot of talent. I remember 
that free agent class uh, exiting. First day of free agency, the Browns lose Mitchell Schwartz, uh, uh, Travis Benjamin, and Tashawn Gibson. Today, one of those three played against them in Tashawn Gibson. Mm. And unfortunately, they went from being a bad team to then going way below that and have struggled to come back up to a bad team to where they, they can then build forward. But to that point, here comes the optimism, and that's why we love having Chuck. Well, everybody in Cleveland's going to call for jobs. They they do every week. It's it's hashtag Mad Online. Wait, it what is, is it? Mad Online, as in you are online and you're angry, and you need to let it out somehow. So you're going to call for somebody's job on Twitter because we see it every week with a lot of bad teams. Let this regime ride into year three. Yeah, what's the point? Of- there is no point. You go nowhere. You gain nothing by firing those in charge right now. Really? Really. I mean, how many quarterbacks are you going to pass up? I'm not going to look at the quarterback right now, and I'll point to the positives first, and then I'll address that. What? I mean, I would be fine if, if you stayed the course with the right regime, but I've, there's no sign that this is the right regime. Defensively, the picks that they've made outside of Miles Garrett have been pretty good for the most part, and we point to a game like today where they oh, had— Miles a- Garrett's looks great. Oh, no, I, I, that's just a layup. I'm not going to— So— Right. Anybody can make that pick. You keep your defensive regime, but what are you going to do with Hugh Jackson, who's bungled the quarterback situation all year and has shown no signs of being able to fix this offense, which is his specialty? I think he needs to get an offensive coordinator, and then you kind of hope that maybe they'll move from there. They're, just, they're still devoid of talent. This is a draft that com- coming up, they have to spend a lot. It's on. been an endless stream of rookie quarterbacks and D-minus grade quarterbacks starting, and that leads to, that channels back to Cleveland passing on Carson Wentz. And I'm going to make less of a big deal about Deshaun Watson because nobody was talking about yep. Deshaun Watson as a number two or number one overall pick in the draft. And honestly, the Wentz thing to me is the guy that fit Cleveland. I don't think we would be getting Philadelphia's Carson Wentz if he were in Cleveland right now, but it would have been the right pick. Two and thirty-five. It's just it's insane. It's so, by the way, a bunch of those games. There is some wacky stuff happening in these games too. Right, the it's the NFL. The talent like, shouldn't be that different. To lose that much is there's unreal. like witchcraft happening at points in some <laughs> of these Browns I mean. games. Like, there really are. Sh- I don't think that this happens without some of that happening in 2017 NFL. But it it also is a lot of mistakes that they have to look at themselves and say we're the reason for it. Like at least well. g- give me a seven and thirty. You know, give me an eight and twenty nine, and well, it's still terrible. There's those teams too. This but is an outlier. Two and thirty five. Well, my God, Shook. Um, thank you for playing hurt today. Yeah, and we will look in. I don't know if we could have a shirt that w- that will fit your frame, but I will uh, work with Lindsay behind behind the scenes to see if we can get you an honorary around the NFL podcast. Uh, pullover, like the one Chris Wesson's wearing right now. Some might ask why there are so many free Rich Eisen. T-shirts floating around this entire building, and I don't see anyone wearing around the NFL podcast T-shirt. Mm, interesting. Uh, I think we need to work on brand management there. Hats, sweatshirts. Lindsay, I'll go push them. Uh, why? Why isn't this coming from the top down? Just rain down the merch upon the people in this building. Just like in Buffalo, it's a major referendum on the entire brain trust. Where is our merch? It's a fair question. Let's move on. First down, Texans at the Arizona 34-yard line. Tom Savage hands off to Deontay Foreman, running to the right side. Has a seed, 30, 25, 20, right side line, 15, 10, 5. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. <laughs> I love an old dad say rock and roll. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Is rock and roll dead? I, don't, I mean, it, the rock and roll he's referring to is definitely is dead. Probably dead. But just the fact that he said rock and roll, what is that about? I don't even know. I'm almost tempted to nominate it just because it kind of it's kind of wacky to me. I will block you. 
You're going to block the nomination? Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> well, you know who said that? I'll tell you who said it. And you can take it up with him. Dave Pash, KTAR with the call. Rookie, Deonta Foreman, two fourth quarter touchdowns. And the Texans end a three-game losing streak, a 31-21 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Greg, uh, we don't spend too much time on this one, uh, but uh, Tom Savage was, I don't know, like proficient today. He played well. Oh no! So you gotta you gotta take the bad at football part off for tonight. No, you don't. He's a NFL. You know who he is. He's an NFL player who had absolutely terrible protection today. Uh, Why does the protection always look so much worse for him well, than that, it does for Deshaun that, Watson? Well, it looked terrible for Watson too. Watson could do something about it. For once today. Savage could do something about it, too. Made a beautiful throw on the run for a touchdown. Made a couple nice vertical plays. Didn't make too many mistakes. You know, they scored 31 points. If nothing, if nothing else, if Tom Savage doesn't ever win another NFL game, he'll always have this game. Bruce Arians blamed himself. <laughs> Just saying. Why, why did he blame himself for this loss? Because he that you know because coaches do that. It's sort of a coach speak Trope. move. But yeah, but he he's, was, he's a non BSer, so he I was take referring. It when he he was that. referring specifically to going for it on fourth and short in the fourth quarter uh, when it was a three point game, and you know Adrian Peterson got stuffed like Adrian Peterson got stuffed the entire game. And I don't put that on Bruce Arians. I think he was coaching aggressively to win. And his offensive line and his running back weren't up to the task today. Houston was better. Uh, tough season for the Texans, but uh, a bright spot is Jadavian Clowney, who continues to build his career. Oh, my gosh. He was dominant. Two sacks, five tackles, three for losses, and three quarterback hits. He's the best run-blocking defensive end in the league or outside linebacker. Whatever you want to call him, there is no one better at breaking open a running game than him. He's incredible. Let's move on. Drop back to throw. Fitzpatrick looking throwing the ball toward the end zone. Caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Deshaun Jackson. Nobody on him. And the Dolphins make a horrible mistake as number 11 is wide open and Fitzpatrick saw it and threw a strike for a four-yard touchdown. Oh, yeah. Gene Deckerhoff, WXTB with the call. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 275 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Pat Murray, 35-yard field goal with four seconds to play. Somehow, I didn't see this Uh just being completely honest with the audience, somehow they scored another touchdown. Greg, you said it was a tie game. Well, it was like four seconds. No, they scored ten points in four seconds. Right, because time was pretty cool. off the clock, and the Dolphins attempted it was a kick return, I believe, and they did a lateral that was fumbled, trying to get anything going ah. in the final seconds. It wasn't like an let's engineer a drive that you know <laughs> ate up the clock. It so was that, a turnover. That's how twenty twenty becomes thirty twenty in five seconds of game time. Anyway, Mark. Um, uh, though history will remember Nate Peterman as the INT king of week 11, Jay Cutler certainly gave it his best. Well, I mean, yes, until he was concussed and left the game midway through, bringing Matt Moore back into our lives. Yeah, but before the concussion came three grisly interceptions. Am I mistaken? No, you are correct. Okay. <laughs> That's all. I was it, was, it was the Dolphins are put in a terrible position by Cutler's turnovers and I believe also Jarvis Landry had a fumble. And you did do that against the Bucks. There, you know, the Bucks are very vulnerable. But Ryan Fitzpatrick to me seemed uh, seems to be the better quarterback right now over uh, 
Jameis Winston. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to well, recover from on. a very strange bell list. What was that? I don't know. What was I, that? that was actually my wedding ring, which I fiddle around with. You know. Oh, it's on the floor over and, there. And, you know, uh, fell and uh, hit something. You sabotaged Mark with I, your you wedding know, ring. If he's not going to do it with his voice, he'll do it with his, re- with his wedding ring. I mean, if you can't survive. if you Take it from here, Greg. If you can't fight through that, you know, come on. I did my best. It was a very bizarre it sound. It, it, was it not? I mean, all everyone's suddenly, everyone's talking. Everyone's looking around, and it's like, keep mining on with your Bucks Dolphins point. I well, wonder, done. It hit this I wonder little... if it will come through on the audio. Oh, I believe it might. Um, great. Uh, that was a good rundown, Mark. Anything else from the game? These yeah. are two teams that we've forked. I'm one of those weird people who hates the word literally, especially mm-hmm. the misuse of it. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet today that was literally incredible. I couldn't possibly believe it. <laughs> Armando Salguero with Miami Herald said it was the – it was probably the Dolphins' worst half of football the first half of this season. And the Dolphins have had most of the worst halves of football I've seen this year. Um, Surprised me. From a turnover yeah. angle, he, he might be right. But they but I've seen worse from them, including the Ravens game. They put up 450 yards, including a ton in the first quarter. So I've seen some uglier Dolphins. I want to just throw this out there because, yes, um, uh, Mr. Cutler suffered a concussion, and we we hope it, it doesn't have any long-term effects for him. Uh, but three more interceptions, and the the Dolphins are out of it uh, uh, in the AFC and another lost season. And I'm wondering. One game, they'll say they're one they're game back. Six. They're four and six. I'm not no, saying I, any of these I, teams. I'm saying they're not out of hey, it. Hey, didn't we fork? They're out of it. And they're out of it. They're out of it. They're terrible. I would contract the entire conference this the year. The Dolphins are forked. Jay Cutler was terrible again, and, and now he's hurt. And I just want to put it on everybody's radar because I think we've all, despite our issues with him as a player, on balance have kind of enjoyed Jay Cutler, the experience, even if it's Jay Cutler, the punching bag. Um, I, so I, I asked Lindsay to help me put together a final retrospective of what could have been Jay Cutler's final game. Could have been. It's third down and seven from the nine. He's got time, and this pass is going to be intercepted by Justin Evans. Three wide receivers, and Cutler has it intercepted. It is picked off by Quan Alexander. of Devontae Parker, and Robert McLean has the interception. There you go. Mark disgusted by this pick. No, I mean, I. the, the <laughs> assumption going in was that we have all enjoyed this final Jay Cutler go-around. I found it particularly painful this season. And I, I wonder if he regrets making this decision when he could have been up in the announcer's booth trying to go punch or punch with Romo. Well, let's move on. This will be a 46-yarder trying to tie this game. Here we go. There's the snap, spot, kick away. It is up, and it is no good. He missed it. He pushed it to the right, and the Lions survive. And we're walking out of here with their third straight victory. Dan Miller, WJR. 
with the call. Connor Barth's 46-yard field goal attempt started wide, wide, wide right and stayed that way, allowing the Lions to escape Soldier Field with a 27-24 win over the Bears. Uh, Matt Stafford threw two touchdowns uh, and 300 yards. Matt Prater drilled a 52-yard field goal. That guy's a good kicker um, with 135 to play. And once again, despite there being a little touch and go there for the Lions against a bad team, they get the job done. And uh, I'll tell you what, Wes, I'll tell you what. We don't love the Lions around here as a team to take seriously in the NFC. But I'll give them a little credit. They are, for, for the first time uh, ever since the divisions have realigned, they won their every division road game. There's a little bit of toughness there. We say they're not a tough team. It's a nice job by them. And mm. and they are, you know, in the mix, taking care of these games that they should win, even if they're not dominant efforts. We're going to start handing out lollipops now? <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit from a few years ago. Remember that? The lollipop. It was, lollipop yeah, was time. I don't, I don't know what you want to say. Yeah, the, the Lions fans are on my nerves because of mediocrity and how much they demand respect for it. And this team is a mediocre team that's going to fall just shy of the playoffs. Well, they have the Vikings defense on Thanksgiving, and the reward for that is to play the Ravens defense the week after. So we'll find out where they are after that. Yeah, that's you know they beat the Vikings in in Minnesota. At the time, you thought, well, Case Keenum was a starter, no big whoop. But that's proved to be a very difficult, no big whoop, he said. difficult <laughs> game. Back. They're not out. Of, they're not out of the NFC North if they won that game. I don't necessarily expect them to win that game, but certainly crazier things happen every week in the NFL than them beating the Vikings at home. All right, I, I amend my statement. Looking at the standings now, there's a chance they'll slide into a wild card spot and then lose the first game like they normally. Mm. Uh, and the Bears, yeah, that's take hard line. Although I will say, to give the Lions credit, that year, that last year, they had Indomik and Sue, and they had Calvin Johnson. They got jobbed in that game. They were better than the Cowboys. That was a they good, should have won that game, and they got jobbed. That was the best Lions team of my life. Not there. There haven't been a lot of great candidates, but that was it. That that it was a top six or seven team in the NFL. The Bears are now three and seven, zero oh and four in their division, one and seven against NFC teams. The John Fox farewell tour is very similar to the Jeff Fisher farewell tour as a, a well-known coach. Mm. It just seems like now the writing's on the wall. It's just a matter of time. Uh, the Lions, meanwhile, keep themselves in the mix. Let's move forward. You know the thing about him is he's like a, a great heavyweight fighter. Great heavyweight fighters, the ones I know at least, could take a punch. Joe Frazier could take a punch. Rocky Balboa could take a punch. It's Chris Spielman, by the way. Speaking of who, <laughs> I like that he talks through his audience. Well, I like right that. Him. I yeah, like he's that. mixed in fictional characters say, with real boxers. You know, there are plenty of heavyweight fighters through the decades that you could cite as being able to take a punch. Rocky Balboa was not a real person. <laughs> Goes to Chris. fake boxer with second reference. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> two Spielman. by two formation. Spielman's an adventure every week. I get to ask that. Yeah. Alex Erickson. He's yeah. got it at the goal line Woo. for a Bengals touchdown. <laughs> 29 yards. Andy Dalton to Alex Erickson for his first touchdown catch in the NFL. Alex Erickson, yes, one of three touchdown passes from Andy Dalton. And the Bengals win a 2017 game over the Denver Broncos. Uh, Cincinnati built a double-digit lead uh, in the fourth quarter. Then their defense was able to close it out at the end, get the stop uh, against Brock Osweiler. And that gave, uh, Wes, I know, even though you divorced the Bengals, 
you are historically knowledgeable of the team. Uh, this is their first win in Denver since uh, throughout a year. Probably in, uh, let's see, it's got to be like the 70s or 80s back when the NFL was a shadow of what it is mm. now. I'll go 80, 84. 84, Wes, give me one. Give me your 1978. Greg, you want to get in on this? 82. 1975. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well. Whoa. That's a long time. Anyway, Wes, uh, I got to tell you something. In the dreary AFC, the West of his dream isn't dead. It's not dead, and you can't say it is. That's true. It's not dead, but this team is fatally flawed by their offensive line and ground attack. Yeah. And they managed just 12 first downs all game. <laughs> they won this game because – uh, Drake Kirkpatrick had a 101-yard interception return that led to a one-yard touchdown, and Vontez Burfick forced a fumble in the fourth quarter uh, on C.J. Anderson when the Broncos were driving to tie the game. Uh, those two turnovers were the difference in the game, and Osweiler got – I thought he might build on last week's game in which he played much better than the final score would suggest. He made some throws last week. I thought it was probably the best game I've seen Osweiler play in at least two years. Oh, and, and today, I can't believe it. He got a chance for a two-minute drill, took a bad sack on second down, then couldn't find Emmanuel Sanders on fourth down. He had a chance, and the weirdest part of this game to me was the halftime. Jamie Erdahl, the the sideline reporter, said that even though Osweiler was playing with a sore shoulder and wasn't playing well, Paxton, the Vance Joseph told her Paxton Lynch was not an option in the second half. Mm. He just wasn't. An, he wasn't going to. We weren't going to see him in the second half. Vance Joseph should send a, a thank you card to Sean McDermott for taking the heat off his uh, sketchy quarterback decisions the last few oh weeks. My God. Why Why was Brock Osweiler starting this game necessarily? Why aren't you making a change? Like, this this AFC is I, still open in theory. I don't even know. Like, a, a game where the opponent has 190 yards and you lose at home. Well, okay, so Vance Joseph has not handled it well, but he inherited this quarterback room. When at some point does anyone point to John Elway and say, whether it comes to scouting Paxton Lynch, who's, who's been absolutely a non-entity so far and looked bad in the preseason, totally outplayed by Trevor Simeon, who's now been benched for Brock Osweiler, when does it fall on Elway's feet for post Baden Manning not finding a quarterback for this team? To that point, Trevor Simeon inactive, as were three rookie draft picks today, D'Angelo Henderson, Demarcus Walker, and Isaiah McKenzie. So if you're looking for why has this season gone south, and it has gone south, by the way, six straight losses. That's their longest losing streak in 27 years. They're not getting uh, impact play from some of these guys that have come into the organization, and the quarterback room is a mess. Well, they, there's some report out there about you know concerns with the play calling, and I feel like those reports usually come from from high up in the Broncos organization. I think Elway's fatal flaw has been the offensive line because they just can't run. They're not, they don't have a great quarterback, but this line doesn't give any quarterback a chance. It yeah, I think the offensive line's been more. Pro- it's been even more problematic than the quarterbacks. Right, Simeon could have. Well, who knows? I mean, I'll die on. No, but I no. would say, continue had, with what if, you're going to say. If they had brought him back one, these last two weeks or this week at least, it's like I think he could have won this game at least. Does you're it not- feel like something else is going on? Why is Brock Osweiler still playing games when Simeon is recently as a month ago? I mean, Osweiler was a second round pick by by John Elway, so he I think he believes in Brock Osweiler. Oh come on, he can't. He offered him $16 million a year. He brought that him back then. to the this organization. Well, To him, though, it's the same guy, and it's a young player. It makes me wonder how much anyone believes in Paxton Lynch. That's fair. Let's move on. 
I want to tell you about a great new podcast called Outside the Box. has nothing to do with Connie Fox, uh, but it is a podcast. If you're a maker, an innovator, or even just a consumer who wants to peek behind the curtain of some of the world's greatest organizations, you'll love it. You, Mark, would you love this? I would, absolutely. (laughs) The latest episode, which is available right now, features former NFL commissioner... Paul Tagliabue. Talking about the massive innovations both on and off the field that helped football become America's most popular sport. He also talks about how the opportunities and challenges the league has faced are similar to those faced by businesses of all... Microwave popcorn. Types. (laughs) Okay. Listen to Outside the Box uh, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Outside the box. Oh, Sunday night. Eagles are going to go for it. Wentz trying to convert on fourth down. And what a catch by Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey into the end zone on fourth down. Eagles domination on Sunday night. Carson Wentz threw two touchdown passes. One what you just heard there uh, to Alshon Jeffrey from Al Michaels and the Philadelphia Eagles cruise behind a monster second half to a 37-9 victory over the host Dallas Cowboys in Jarrah World in front of in battle Jarrah Jones and Chris Christie on top of it. (laughs) Christie's involved. So anyway, uh, Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, The Eagles now 9-1 running away with the NFC East, and now they put the Cowboys on life support. Wow, what a performance. Carson Wentz, after halftime, played an absolutely perfect 30 minutes of football. I think you could say that about the entire Philadelphia Eagles team. I mean, kicker, linebacker. (laughs) Right. They went into halftime down 9-7. They outscored them 30 to nothing after halftime. In the first half, at one point, the Cowboys defense had slowed down the Eagles better than any team had all year. They had five drives at one point that had totaled 13 yards. They were stopped on seven straight possessions. And then it was like they just flipped the switch, and the Eagles team we've seen all year came out. And when they are rolling, and it's the running game as a big foundation, and Ajayi got off, and LeGarrette Blunt got off, and Clement got off, they are a joy to watch. They're kind of like the most unstoppable-looking team in the NFL when they get going like that. Yeah, and it's like you'd look at the box score tomorrow morning if you didn't watch this 168 yards passing for Carson Wentz. You'd think, oh, well, they slowed him down. The opposite. He was a magician. And at one point in early, you know, it was 9-7 to seven at halftime. And early in the third, we were asking, where's this Eagles rushing attack? Where's Jay Ajayi? And then he rips off a 71-yard run that I think really started the landslide. On the flip side, Dak Prescott, again, running for his life. They got a little bit more from the running game. But this Eagles defense, which is overshadowed by Carson Wentz every week in the offense, has half the story here 100%. Uh- you know, and all credit due to the Eagles defense. They they've been showing up uh all season and that's how you get to nine and one. It's just not one side of the ball. But Dak Prescott, the Cowboys needed their quarterback to step up yeah. and play a good game. And Alfred Morris ran the ball well. He's not Zeke Elliott, of course, who's now in the second game of suspension and the Cowboys are winless during that absence. Uh Alfred Morris went seventeen for ninety one and was able to move the ball. 
Dak Prescott did nothing in this game. He had one of his the worst games of his career. And that's I, bad timing. This I, was a big game. I got really tired of the Wentz Dak back and forth this week. You know, I think they're both great. I think it's hard to pick between the two of them right now. Wentz clearly has a deeper and better team around him. But this was a perfect performance by Wentz in the second half. I mean, he was just incredible. And Dak had one of his worst games of the year. And I think he's been struggling a little bit uh, the last few weeks trying to hold up that offense. And I and I mentioned it on Thursday, but I want to hit it again. Dez and Cole Beasley were the centerpiece of their passing game. They don't have a passing game, whether it's all it's certainly not all Dak. It's the protection. It's the receivers. It's everything. But they don't really have a passing game that can hold them up. And so tonight, Dez gets 14 targets for 63 yards, and Beasley gets four targets for seven yards. And those were their two main guys last year, and they're two of the least efficient receivers when you're throwing it to them this year. Yeah, and it's back-to-back turnovers in the second half. One, a fumble touchdown for Dallas. I think completely turned this game from potentially they had a chance to come back in the fourth quarter to completely out of reach. And people looked at that Eagles-Broncos game and said, oh, it's an aberration for Denver's defense. And that's not really what Denver's defense is about. And you know what? That's what the Eagles are. They do that to every team they play. This game had a lot of shared DNA in the second half with that romp over Denver because suddenly the, they just let the run game completely overpower the tired defense they're facing. This is how this, they are built to go deep, if not the deepest team in the NFC, right to the Super Bowl. And I think you love that you don't have to play. J.J. is not even their main running back. He's just one of three guys. That's a nice little luxury they got. And now the Cowboys turn around and they have a game in four days against the Chargers at home, their season on the line. And it's already in grave danger at five and five. Uh, and you put them, uh, if, if you say a coin flip to make the playoffs, that might even be at this point uh, being kind to well, them. They've got, yeah, they've they're got a, a lot of ground. spot now. And in fact, they're, if you look at the seeding right now, they're at the 10th seed. They have a ton of work. The Their schedule does ease up a little bit, but you, you don't have Zeke Elliott. You're hoping to get Tyron Smith back. We'll talk about that game. On Tuesday, won't we? Oh, yes. Let's talk about a different week um, for the Around the NFL podcast. So, yeah, we'll have our standard show Tuesday in terms of the timing of it, uh, but that will act as our Week 12 preview. So we'll go through all the Week 12 games. And then uh, on Thursday night for the first time, uh, this is what makes us uh, different, Mark. I guess we're grinders. (laughs) Everybody else is uh, passed out on the couch. Uh, We will be in the studio Thursday night, uh, a mini pod going over all three Ooh. Thanksgiving games, including the the Thursday night affair between Mark, the Giants and the Redskins. Oh, nice, nice. I thought I'd get you on that one. So yeah, we'll do a Thursday night Thanksgiving uh, mini pod uh, going over those games, and then of course the Sunday flagship show. Mm. Uh, so that's our schedule. For that's the- a major league like grit right there. Some hustle, some grit. grit well, we days. certainly know that our wives and children they appreciate the dynamic. <laughs> We, yeah. The children will be asleep. They they'll, know where they're coming. They'll be fine. All right. So there you go. That's uh, that's it. Sunday show. Oh. oh, yeah. I forgot. That's right. Chris Wessling cannot pick up his lock. Mark, you this time the lock off. Did not go my way. I am now three and two in lock offs. And, uh, <laughs> you know, losing to Wes is a noble loss. I have no issues there. I, I, I went out on a limb here. You see the subtext, Dan? Losing to us would not be a noble loss. Like Wes, he re- he respects, but yeah, I've picked that up. Yeah, two of us. That's not where I was going. I don't respect myself on picking the Cowboys in this. Situation. <laughs> that was a surprise pick. Um, it was an onion hanger. It did not work out in your favor. Greg picks up a game, and and we are flying in the race 
uh, for second place this season. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll be back Tuesday. I, flying into the side of a building. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everybody that, for listening. Uh, you're the best. Let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman in absentia. All shook up, Nick Shook. He's strong. The old boss and Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.